go. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Waiteka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. (laughs) Welcome to today's show. Hello, everybody, on this very special show on the Born to Talk radio show as we recognize and celebrate Veterans Day. And there is a connection to that today. I'd like to tell you a little bit about my guest. Jeanette Thomas is joining us today, and I'd like to say hi to you, Jeanette, and welcome to the show. Hi, Marcia. Thanks so much for having me. And, you know, the beauty of podcasting from a cell phone. You ran into a whole bunch of traffic. You pulled into a parking lot. Bless your heart, and thank you for joining me. It's fabulous. And Gabriel... Uh, Gabriel Hurtado is also with me today. He's in the comfort of his own home, and I'd like to welcome you to the show, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for having me today. Oh, it, it's a it's a pleasure, and it's going to be quite an inspiring show. I've actually been looking forward to this show since an a, a, an article appeared in the Los Angeles Times on September the third, and that was my first introduction to sell dogs with convicts and canines get a new leash on life. I was so taken by this article that I immediately reached out to you, Jeanette, and you were kind enough to say, sure, I would love to do a radio show with you. And that's really how it all started. And then through that connection with you, I was able to get that connection with Gabriel. So I thought, we would just start off just a little bit. So I like people getting to know my guests. And so, Jeanette, could you just share a little bit about your background with our listeners today? Sure. I'm uh, originally from New York and wanted to be a veterinarian, but I'm of the vintage that when I was in college, there were quotas uh, depending on gender of how many people would get into school. So, unfortunately, uh, that was not my ultimate uh, destiny And I ended up getting an engineering degree and worked in the electronic industry for 25 years and had a passion for people and dogs. And that's kind of what uh, led me to the reinventing myself to the career that I have today. Wow. It's gotten gotten to the point where it's, it's just so different than what I did originally, but it really is passion that I always had and, and certainly love every minute of it. Sure. Wow. Well, this will be great to hear because we're really, we will be speaking a great deal about cell dogs. And Gabriel, this is a very special show on this particular day because you are a veteran Marine. So my, let me start That's off right. by thanking you, sir, for your service. And I'd like you to share about something about yourself so that our, our listeners have an understanding of you and we'll be really getting into Ruby and what Ruby has meant to you. But could you just give us a little background about your life? Sure, sure. And uh, by the way, you know, again, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, you know, I'm. Uh, I was uh, I was born and raised in you know in Alhambra, California, and uh, I you know I I did high school there, and then I went. Uh, you know, I, I was with my you know my high school sweetheart, which is which is Kathy. I met her in church, and. Uh, the way that I got into the Marine Corps is kind of funny because uh, I, uh, you know, I, I was not really getting very far. I was kind of doing some some extra work in movies and kind of you know little things like that. And you know my uh, my then girlfriend, she was just like, you know what, uh, this is not really. You need to get a real job. You know, I heard about this thing called a Job Corps, which is a which is an organization that you go and you do classes and then they get you a, they get you a job after that, depending on what kind of class you take. And I didn't know that at the time. And I thought she meant the Marine Corps, so she was, hey, you know, there's this thing called the Job Corps, and uh, you should you should go for it. You should go and check it out. And the next day, I went into the Marine Corps recruiter. And I said, <laughs> hey, you know, uh, my girlfriend told me I need a job, and here I am. And 
the rest is history. So I, I thought that was kind of funny. But uh, it, yeah, it's, uh, it's you know everything since then has definitely changed my life. Um, you know, I have you know I, I've uh, you know I was in the Marine Corps from 1995 to 2002. Um, you know, and I, I was you know in the in the Middle East region, and I, it's uh, it's definitely changed my life. Yes. Uh, and you know, I and I know that it really has changed your life, and we'll, we we will talk a little bit more about that as we go through mm-hmm. this show. I think a a great place for us to start for those people that are not familiar with Cell Dogs. And by the way, you have a fabulous website. So as you're listening to the show, if you choose to want to during while you're listening, or go back and do that afterwards. If you just type in cell dog, C-E-L-L dog, Z-O-G-S dot org, you will see the, the beautiful site that's put together by Jeanette and, and what they do. But you're not hopefully doing that right this minute. So what I want to do is I want to get back to kind of how this whole thing started. So, Jeanette, who came up with the idea originally of training shelter dogs in correctional institutions? There's a woman by the name of Sister Pauline Quinn who came up with this idea back in 1981. Uh, As a young adolescent, she had a bit of a history of being a wild child, and unfortunately back then she was um, incarcerated in one of the facilities where we had a program uh, about 10 years ago. She was not there at the time, obviously, but that mm-hmm. incarceration had such an impact on her emotionally um, that she decided that she had to do something to make life more palatable and more livable in those institutions. And she was an avid dog lover and came up with the idea of, oh, my gosh, we have so many unwanted, unloved, and shelter dogs. Let's see if we can start something that would enrich, enrich both the lives of the the dogs, as well as the incarcerated youth at that time. So she was the one who came up with the original recipe and started a program up in Washington State at a state women's prison there. And it started as just a few dogs coming in for basic obedience training initially. And here we are 30-plus years later where they have a full-fledged program, not only training shelter dogs, but then taking those that are exceptional and training those for service for individuals who have both emotional and physical disabilities. Uh, Not only do they do training, but they've also, the warden just loves the program as does the state. They've also added programs for grooming, uh, for kennel attendance and things of that nature to help provide transitional programs for many of these inmates who eventually will get out to give them a skill set so they can have a a better life thereafter. So that so that original uh, correctional institution and that whole idea in 1981, they still are in existence today in Washington State. Oh yes, they're absolutely in existence and they're thriving. Wow. I mean, that is really the gold Isn't standard that? for, you know, what what institutions can do if they have, you know, the the right attitude and funding. It could be life changing for so many more people. Oh, I bet. I bet that's true. So I'm just kind of curious. You mentioned that you thought, you you know, you didn't think you were really considering being a veterinarian, and then you went into, you know, a different whole, different level of, of working. So why did you decide to reinvent yourself and get yourself into this this arena with cell dogs? What was the story behind that's such that? A, I'm sorry. That's such a great question, Marsha, because, you know, all of us as children have – say ideas or dreams of what we'd like to be and then unfortunately life sometimes throws us a curveball and it's like okay what can you do and um, I had so many credits in in science and math and all of the the disciplines for um, uh, pre-veterinary that when that didn't happen I said okay let's just roll them over into something else and I was so lucky that I did because I got in on the very cusp and the entry level of when you know, you and I can both remember manual typewriters, I'm sure. Many of you listeners may or may not, but, you know, mm-hmm. um, rotary telephones. But I was in an industry where all of that 
uh, was changing to electronic keypads, to everything that we have today, to Wi-Fi, and um, developed, you know, started on the ground level as an entry-level engineer and product development specialist and did very well, you know, being an anomaly, <clears throat> pardon me, as being a, a woman in a very do- uh, male-dominated industry, which really didn't make any difference to me. It was a phenomenal experience and had the opportunity to travel around the world and work with people in different countries on new product developments, such as electronic ignition for cars, you know, uh, touch tone pads for phones, things of that nature. So even mm-hmm. though that was so far in the field from what I'm doing now, I didn't have a dog for 25 years because I was single and traveling all the time. And when I eventually did get married, we had a, you know, we adopted a, a shelter dog. And that just reignited the pilot light that was burning for so many years into this Hmm. bonfire that I just had to and wanted to do something, you know, when I, quote, unquote, retired. Yeah, that's that's kind of that's that's the quote, unquote, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So based on that, when did you start Cell Dogs? When did when did you begin that 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 dot org organization? The. I, I did other, let's say, pre-steps to get to where we are now, but Cell Dogs officially, uh-huh. you know, <clears throat> started going on 11 years ago. So uh, we're, we're getting to the point where I had seen this program or these types of programs work in other institutions, and I said, you know, let's, let's do this. You know, let's give it a try. I was community and started to reach out to local shelters and local correctional institutions and see if we could put something together with Sister Pauline's help. And, you know, here we are going on our 11th anniversary and we've been extremely successful. So it, um, it takes a long time and a, a lot of tenacity, but with the right drive and the right people and the right connections, it was, you know, the roadmap to getting to, you know, where we are today. So I'm just curious. I honestly, I've never been to a jail or a prison. So what was it like for you going into your first correctional institution? I was extremely nervous because all it is is that you hear, well, you're going into a state prison, which, you know, is where people who do extremely bad things are incarcerated for you know, very long sentences or for life. And I did not know mm-hmm. what to expect. I figured, oh, this will be easy. And my heart, I can remember, it was beating out of my chest as I had to go through all these different security checks, you know, to get in, you know, checking everything. Mm-hmm. And then when I finally passed through the final, you know, security doors, it looked like a very old college campus. Not glamorous. No kidding. Uh, not um, it. This particular institution was not, you know, big turrets at the end with you know gun towers and things of this. It was a level four state institution, but um, was very, I'll say, neutral. It was old, but mm-hmm. and yes, they were inmates walking around with their uniforms on, if you will. But brought my anxiety level down. And then talking with the women that we had in class, it was like. It's just like anybody else you would meet on the street or on a bus. If you didn't know them, Mm -hmm. you really wouldn't know the history behind them. So it was, for me, it was very much a life-changing opportunity to to change some of my own personal opinions about people who were incarcerated and and how long they should remain so. Mm -hmm. So what do you think, um, and and Gabriel, thank you for, I I, I know you're listening intently and we are really going to get, to you and your whole story because it is incredibly inspiring. I just would like to, I'm just going to spend a little bit more time getting to learn a little bit more about this program so we can understand how it influenced your life. So so I, I appreciate you staying on the line with us. Uh, I really, truly oh, no do. Um, yeah, no worries. No, so no what, terrific, what makes a good dog program trainer? What 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 do you look for when you're looking for cuz you're calling them dog trainers is that correct yeah we call them program trainers that's correct oh mm-hmm. program trainers okay so what makes a good program trainer when we go into an institution and starting a program or trying to uh, identify new program trainers 
we're just looking with people who have a desire to work with an animal, you know, who may not, there's no previous experience required. Um, if they want to volunteer their time and they are well organized and they have to have the su- support of their staff and they feel that they would make a good contribution, we, we want everybody. So there's no Wonderful. prejudicial um, boundaries for the most part at all. So everybody comes into the room, whether or not we have advanced trainers or a clean slate, everybody starts at, at the ground zero, and then we build up their knowledge base and their experience base to the point where, depending on the institution, some of these trainers have been working on these, you know, these programs for you know, 10, 15 years. Because oh. of the change in the state laws, um, some of the trainers are released early, so they may have only one or two cycles under their belt. But for for many of them, they've they've learned how they've learned the essence of patience, responsibility. Um, what can I say? Working with others, you know, group dynamics. So many of these people mm-hmm. are isolated in their uh, in their cells or their rooms that they are not team players and they have to be team players in order to work, you know, training the dogs and working with the other inmates. So it's given them a a new look on life as well as a new set of life and career skills. You know, when I first read about you and um, was interested in doing this, one of the thoughts that honestly came to my mind is if you are that incarcerated person, perhaps one of the things that's lacking in your life is love and I think that when another side byproduct of this is that I'm I'm imagining that when these inmates are working with with the dogs that the dogs are presenting themselves in a loving way and there's almost that loving exchange of their unconditional non-judgmental I love you, this dog, and this dog, I love you, my trainer. Is is there something to be said for that as well? Marcia, you, you basically hit all the key points right on the head. Um, dogs don't judge people. You know, they're basically, they live in the moment. And many, almost all of the dogs that we rescue from shelters or from rescue groups are just so grateful to be treated kindly to be well cared mm-hmm. for and to have that opportunity to bond and to love someone that it's, and then the same is true for the program trainer, um, especially the youth. We see it as being so transformational because there are so many similarities, I believe between the dogs and shelters and incarcerated individuals, especially, you know, the youth uh, they've made poor choices because of lack of guidance you know, nobody told them no, and if they did, they acted inappropriately. Uh, lack of love, you know, and mm-hmm. no one showed them the way to do things correctly. So, you know, we can apply that to both animals and to humans, and the answer is still the same. They end up in a in a bad place. So what better environment than to take these two lost souls, if you will, and pair them together so that they can learn to trust each other and learn from each other? Um Sister Pauline, is that is Pauline, right? Sister Pauline yes. Quinn, uh-huh. was that the name you said? What a what a brilliant mind to to begin this process that has moved forward with you. Are there some key components that you would say make for um, a successful program in particular? I think to have a program, regardless of it's an adult or a, a juvenile facility, there are really three key components. Uh, You have to have people in the correctional institution that has volunteered for this program. You have to have the support from the, either the warden or the superintendent all the way down to the housing staff. That is, that is absolutely essential. Without that, the program has no opportunity or little opportunity of being successful. Um, Mm -hmm. You need a shelter that is willing to allow a nonprofit or a trainer to go in and evaluate whatever dogs that they want so that they can determine which ones would be most appropriate. You know, these correctional institutions, it's not like walking into your home or my home where it's a nice, calm, uh, 
peaceful environment, there's a lot of commotion that goes on in these facilities. So even though the shelters are stressful, the dogs have to be able to at least tolerate some level of stress by going into these programs. Otherwise, you know, it would just perpetuate, you know, uh, an unhappy result for them. So uh, the shelters, certainly the ones that we have been working with, guide us to dogs that they feel uh, would be appropriate since we've been working with them for so long and also ones that may not have a bright future that they feel are good dogs, but they just have to make tough choices because of overcrowding situations. And then the Mm -hmm. final component would be, you know, the trainer or as in our instance, the nonprofit that assumes full responsibility for these programs, for working with the institutions, working with the shelters, you know, assigning the trainers to the program, developing the curriculums and going in and running classes on a, you know, a weekly basis. It's typically a four month program. So, you know, everyone has to be on board for that period of time so that the end result is a dog that's well-trained and and, uh, a program trainer that has, you know, achieved a level of personal satisfaction and and accomplishment. Certainly. But you, so to just kind of carry that thought a little bit farther, because you've, you've used the word program trainers. Let's talk a little bit about some of those benefits that you have um, um, in regards to program trainers and institutions. Can you, can you elaborate a little bit about that? Sure. So many of the, um, the inmates that apply for the program, um, the, the biggest challenge they have is lack of confidence um, low self-esteem, you know, nobody ever told them they did a good job. Well, we work with positive reinforcement techniques of basically for both the people and the, and the dogs of recognizing even the smallest improvement in behavior or um, task work by, you know, verbally praising the people. You know, we're not able to bring in any form of, um, I'm going to say appreciation until a graduation, but telling them that they've done a good job probably the first time in years. You just watch these yes. these men, women, and youth just blossom. It's like, oh, my gosh. They look forward to us coming in on a weekly basis yeah. because, A, it's fun for them. Uh, they get to have more, you know, loving time and learning time with these dogs and us. And it's just like, wow, can I do this again? You know, once they've had one success story, if their sentence is long enough, it's like, oh, I, I don't, I don't want to leave yet. I want to wait until the dog graduates and then I'll go home. We've had some of the kids in juvie tell us that. And it's, I mean, that takes your breath away when you consider some of them just can't wait and understandably want to get out, but they want to finish this project because it is so important to them. Wow. That's, that's phenomenal. I, I'd like you to share one more story because I think this will lead us so beautifully into Gabriel's story, and that is, can you can you tell us about the inmate, the program trainer that started with Ruby? Because we're going to be talking about Ruby, and I'd like to know a little bit about that success story that led Ruby to Gabriel. Um, as you can imagine, I've had a the opportunity to work with hundreds and hundreds of program trainers over the years. Um, And when they are released, many of them will contact us and ask whether or not there's a way that they can help us. Um, Many of them are looking for full-time employment, which unfortunately we don't have. Everyone does part-time work for us. But um, over the years, I had one particular woman who was, in my opinion, the best dog trainer I have ever worked with. And she started with, you know, no ex- previous experience whatsoever, and she would take my breath away. I knew that if I gave her a difficult dog while she was in the program, there was no doubt that she would be able to deal with, the, let's say, problematic behaviors as well as finish the dog into an amazing service dog if that was the dog's destiny. And um, mm-hmm. I am so proud of Anna and what she has done and she is, you know, we have hired her as being our service dog trainer. Now, wow! if I could just talk to the point of, of getting Ruby, uh, all of the shelters, you know, it's first come, first serve. So if we find a dog that we really want, 
and the dog is not yet available for adoption, we have to and have been very creative in how we make sure that we're the first in line. So uh, Mm -hmm. Anna and I stayed uh, in front of the uh, county shelter overnight to be the first in line to get Ruby for our program. We did shifts. I did 5 p.m. till midnight. She did midnight to 6 a.m. And then I did 6 a.m. to uh, 10 to main, make sure that, you know, once that door opened, we would be there to get her. And uh, that's the level of commitment that Anna has had from day one, from, my, from when I met her. And, you know, to this day forward, she is um, amazing. And I'm just so proud of her transition as well as, you know, her, what can I say, her maturation, her, her maturity, mm-hmm. her responsibility. She is um, a real testimony to what these programs can do for individuals who open their, their hearts to, you know, hopefully a life-changing um, process. Right. Well, with that in mind, Gabriel, I would, I would really like to move forward with your part of the story and so I guess my first question to you would be, why did, why did you want a service dog? Why, why, what, was, what was the background for that for you? Well, for me, um, you know, I, I, have, I have PTSD. And PTSD, you know, post-traumatic stress syndrome, um, to, you have a lot of uh, depression, anxiety, a lot of loneliness. And I was, you know, I was taking different drugs. The VA was trying to help me, you know, with different types of drugs. And it just, you know, things were not really working for me. It was giving me a lot of swing moods and it was affecting my marriage. And it was just a bunch of things. And I, I after a while, I started realizing that, you know what, these drugs are probably going to do more damage to my body than good. So I went to the doctor and I said, hey, how can I, what can I do that's an, a good alternative? to drugs so that I can, uh, you know, so that I can deal with PTSD and still live a normal life. And so the doctor said, you know what, I, I'm going to recommend to you a, uh, an emotional service dog. And so I, I happened hmm. to be there that, that day that the, the, the doctor, he, uh, you know, at the, at the Long Beach VA in California, he happened to, to write a letter saying that, uh, you know, I, I recommend a, an, immersion, an emotional service dog and uh, I will, before, let me backtrack. Before that, I actually had sure. seen, um, I had seen back in, in January, I had seen uh, the, I had seen on the news a story about cell dogs and about how they have this new, this new program that's helping people with PTSD and people with emotional issues by having a service dog. And that kind of planted the little seed in me. And then when I went to go talk to the doctor, you know, he said, hey, emotional service dog. And I thought immediately, oh, that'd be great. You know, so he happened to give me that letter when I was coming out, and cell dogs actually happened to be in the parking lot because that day at the VA they were having this little expo about, you know, health expo and stuff like that, and they happened to be there. So I have a letter in my hand, and wow. there they are, and I, I, you know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe in just luck. I, I believe that God mm-hmm. puts people in people's lives at a certain time, you know, for a reason. And, uh, you know, I... I I I said you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to them and at the same time I did reach out to other people and the other people they weren't they just they they would never call either they never called me back or they told me you know what it's gonna be you know a typical three to five year wait for a dog and to me it's like oh my god how am I gonna how am I gonna deal with this and you know if if I'm trying to get an emotional service dog I'm trying to get off of these drugs and uh, and so I get a call from you know. I, I get a call from Jeanette, and she's the she's the first person that and the and actually the only person that actually called me back and said, "Hey, you know what? Um, you know, because I had to fill out a questionnaire and all that on their on their website." She said, "Hey, you know what? You fill all this criteria. Let me find out a little bit more about you." And then we, you know, we ended up, you know, getting together, and uh, you know, she brought Ruby, and you know, it's it's just been it's just been awesome. But to me, I've I one of the one of the best decisions that I that I've that I've had is, is having, you know, having, having been able to, you know, to, to find a service dog and especially Ruby. And, and, you know, I've, I know what Ruby looks like. And for people that have maybe been on Facebook and, and seen a picture of you there, um, why don't you let people know um, what her breed is? 
Well, she's a she's a beautiful uh, black Labrador Retriever. Uh, she's two years old. She's awesome. Um, she's mm-hmm. just she's, she's beautiful. Great. Uh, she's, you know, she yeah, she's she's well, she's extremely well trained. She gets me my, you know, um, I I still do have to take some medication. She brings me my medication when I need it. Uh, she's she's my companion everywhere I go, and you know, it's just, I mean, you know, I just I just love her. You know, it's just. I bet. you know it's just it's she's made an awesome addition to the family you know my my you know my wife my 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 girls they they all love her how did you think when when you just were approaching this and and you were it was suggested to you how did you think that she was going to be able to help you what were your expectations I really didn't know what to expect I just thought okay so I'm going to have a dog and you know we'll see where it goes mm-hmm. um but I, I I don't know. I kind of thought, okay, so I'm going to have a dog kind of part time and not really have to do very much until I until I actually started training. And then when I you know because you have to go through a process. And when I started training with Ruby, I started realizing that um no, I'm going to have to need her. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to take her wherever I go. And you know that I don't know how that's going to affect my business. You know because you know I'm mm-hmm. I have a business where my, with my wife where we we help families. You know. Uh, make it save money, become financially independent, things like that, having to do with finance. And uh, I didn't know how that was going to affect it. So mm-hmm. immediately I'm like, okay, let's 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 see what's going to happen. And you know, once Ruby, you know, once I actually got Ruby, she's just she's just we've been inseparable. I've taken her everywhere with me. She's gone on you know appointments with me to meet families. The families actually really like Ruby because you know they mm-hmm. everybody. Uh, you know, everybody loves a, a really a good dog, a beautiful dog, and you know they they automatically kind of are are drawn to Ruby, and it's it's been great. Did you just out of curiosity, did you ever grow up with dogs? Had you had a dog in your household, or had you ever? I, did you have a dog as a pet as a young person? I did, and in fact, I've I've had dogs all my life, and it's weird uh-huh. because when I was five years old. When I was when I was five years old, uh, my neighbor's dog was outside, and I went out there, and he was playing with the ball. I took the ball out of his mouth, and instead of going for the ball, he went for my face, and I ended up getting Ooh. like twenty-two stitches all over my face. <gasps> so everybody, oh, wow. you know, everybody thought that I'd be afraid of dogs, but on the contrary, I've I've loved dogs, and I've always embraced dogs, and you know, it's just I mean, even in the Marine Corps, we call ourselves Devil Dogs, so I kind of <laughs> I kind of could relate. <laughs> So yeah. that's, that's interesting. So had you, well, I guess just to kind of take us back to this very beginning when you stepped outside and, and cell dogs were set up out there, had, had mm-hmm. you heard about cell dogs prior to actually seeing them in that parking lot? Yes. I, I, I had seen the, back in January, I had seen a, um, I had seen a segment on the news about cell dogs and that's what kind of, Drew, it just like I said, it just kind of planted a seed that later on it mm-hmm. would kind of you know, come full circle. That's neat. So tell me about the first time that you ha- that you went to to meet Ruby. Tell me about that experience. What was that like for you? Well, okay. So Jeanette said, okay, you know, we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna bring Ruby. Uh, there's this dog named Ruby. We're gonna see how she does with you. Do you mind if we bring her? Um, so we can, you know, kind of interview you with Ruby and see how you guys, how you guys react to each other. And I said, okay, that's fine. And I happened to be in my home, you know, with my wife and, uh, Jeanette shows up and there's this black dog that comes out and <laughs> it was just, I mean, it was just love at first sight. I mean, you know, I can, I, I, I love my wife to death, but you know, love for a dog is it's just, it's just, you just get this instant attraction to each other. It's like, man, this is an awesome dog. And, you know, mm-hmm. I was just, you know, as soon as I saw her, you know, I lit up, she lit up, everybody was, you know, it just, it, again, everything just kind of fell into place at just the right time, you know, and it just, she, she, she really liked us and we really liked her. And, you know, I, after, after she left, I thought, okay, I, I pray that, you know, I pray that, that that we can keep Ruby. In fact, I actually said a prayer. I said, "Lord, please give us Ruby because I don't want another dog. This is just I just I really like Ruby." 
And then Jeanette, you know, called me up and said, "Hey, you know what? Ruby did really, really well with you. I don't, I don't see you in the need to bring another dog. I think uh, this is going to be working with. I think Ruby will work very well with you." And you know, she's she's you know she's been a Jeanette's been an awesome matchmaker. So she's, she's she done has. a good job. I know a little bit about service dogs because I've I've done some shows. Um, about service dogs, particularly Guide Dogs of America. And I have a friend that was a puppy raiser for Guide Dogs. So I personally have some background about dogs and vests. And, and a lot of people have seen dogs and vests and, and have a, um, a reaction and an understanding about that. So when Ruby met you with, for the very first time and Jeanette brought Ruby to you, was she in her vest at that time? Yes, she was. And would you yes. like to this is a this is a great, great place and I know this is very important to you and I want you to really take the time to explain this because this is not only is this an inspiring show because what Ruby has meant to you, but it's also a great opportunity to educate. So would you please tell people what it's like to have a working dog wearing a vest? What is that what does that mean? Well, having a having a emotional service dog, it's just when she's with when she has her vest on, it's totally different when she has it off. When she has it off, she's a regular dog. You know, she she plays catch. She you know she does regular dog things, and you know it's. But once she's in uniform, it's kind of like I don't know. It's kind of like she's gone through her own little you know Marine Corps boot camp of sorts. You know, she's. She's on the job. She does what she has to do. She doesn't stop until until the until the job is done. So if I have to have her, you know, in her vest for four to five hours, she's like on it. She doesn't she doesn't react to other dogs. She doesn't react to little kids that are coming. It's just she's she's great and 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 it's she knows she knows as soon as that vest is coming on, she knows she has she she's on she's you know she's on duty. And, uh, you know, I, I see everything kind of from a military point of view. So that's, you know, she's she's going back on duty and she has to do what she has to do. I hope that answered your question. Well, so that makes me understand what she's doing. But now mm-hmm. you're walking down the street or you're in a place yes. where there are children particularly, but not just children because all of us love dogs. And yes, I think there's a, an important difference between a dog in a vest and a dog out of a vest. Uh, out of a vest. So when yes. you're in public, your dog is not a pet. And no. um, how do you want people to know how they can approach your dog? Like, oh, you know, I love your dog. Oh. Can I come and pet your dog? You know, what do you want to? Yes. What do you want the public to know about that? I would. I would just like the public to know. I. I, I really hope that everybody does this is when you do see a, a, somebody with a service dog, do not just come and think that, you know, it's just a regular dog. You can just come and pet it anytime you want to. No, it's always best to ask permission. Always ask if you can uh, pet the dog. You don't know what the dog is going through. You don't know how long, the, you know, it, it's just a lot of safety and you just, you, it's the dog is not there to be pet by everybody. The dog is there to do a job which is to take care of the, you know, the, the handler, to take care of her master. And, you know, she, that's, that's her particular job. She doesn't need any distractions or anything like that. But people do come every once in a while and, you know, like, hey, let, can I – and little kids have come up to me and just immediately start, you know, putting out their hand and even some adults. And I have to tell them, uh, please, mm-hmm. excuse me, hold on. No, you know, I have to put her in a sit position and then, boom, okay, you can go ahead and pet her. But, you know, it's, it's kind of like I, I, would, I would see it as, you know, a pregnant woman and a lot of people, oh, let me rub your belly. And uh, you should ask yes. before you start rubbing, you know. It's almost the same thing. That's a, that's a great analogy. You would never think to do that. That, that, that. that paints a really clear picture because it's not that you cannot pet the dog. It's not that you cannot right. acknowledge the dog. But like you said, you need to put the dog in the sitting position. The dog needs to yes. understand that now that you've given that command, that in some ways the next command is, yes, you may approach my dog. So what, yes. did, 
well, how long did it take for you to go through this training process with Ruby? Because you obviously had to work with her as a trainer as well. So what was that like? Yeah. It was uh it was it was pretty cool actually. We we got to train for about four to five months. I would see her I started seeing her once every other week. I'd see her for a couple of hours. Um we'd start at uh different uh like uh different places, public places just to see how she would react to the public as well as as how I would react with her in the public. And uh, little by little, you know, I started, you know, I, I was learning more, more and more from 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 uh, from Anna and Helen and and from Jeanette how how to handle her. Like, okay, you have to open the door first, and then you have to tell her to go. And you know, it's it's like different things that you're not used to. Normally, I'm just used to a regular dog that says just go, right? And this this yeah. is different. This, she's in, she's in her uniform. She needs to be told, okay, this is the the next command. You know, you you just wait, and then you open the door. Okay, go, and then she she goes. So I I needed to learn that, and you know, it was a learning process for me. It was a learning process for for Ruby because she was getting used to to uh, you know to me. So little by little, we were doing well, and you know, Jeanette would always you know I I was always in contact with them, and they would always tell me, hey, you did really really good. Um, you know, today was today was great. We saw a lot of progress. You know, next week we're going to learn about some other techniques, and it just it just flowed very very well. And I think what really what really made it flow is the fact that I was eager to to see Ruby every single time. When I was having my bad days during that time, all I would think about is, okay, I'm going to see Ruby. I'm going to go see Ruby. I, I'm going to see Ruby. I need to get better so I can go see Ruby. And and you know, once I would see Ruby, I would feel so much so much better. And, you know, mm-hmm. and then I can go the rest of the week without seeing Ruby. And obviously I, I would miss her and like, oh, man, I can't wait till she's mine. But I got I to gotta do this for Ruby. I got I to gotta learn these things for Ruby. I got to do it. I got to do it. And, you know, it just, it just worked out very well for both of us. Has it been, was it more work than you thought it might be? Oh, yeah, most definitely. I, I, I it thought it would be, you know, pretty easy. I thought it would be, the, you know, a piece of cake. I mean, the way it just – I mean, they're so well-trained that it seems so easy, but it's not. There's so much that goes on mm-hmm. behind the scenes. There's so much that goes on that you just, it's, it's, she's, uh, I mean, this, the final product is just amazing. She's just, she, they did a really, really good job with, with Ruby. Wow. Well, congratulations on their start, but then congratulations on your continuance because, um, she was only going to be able to provide you the service that you depend on with with the training that comes through Cell Dog to help you both get to where you are today. Because how long? Well, let let, let me just ask, let me I'll ask. Well, I'll, well, let me just ask this. Let me jump out of order. So, when did you first start training with her? How long ago did that start for you? I believe that started around. I would. I think that started around March or April. Of this year? Yes, of this year. Yes, right? Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, we trained, and, about, and with, we trained about four to five months. Four to five months, you said. And yes, you, you had yes. mentioned that she's um, really changed your life because I would imagine that not only have you had to go through this training, but you, you mentioned that your wife, Kathy, is, is there by your side. You do have, I, I believe your daughter is, in, is in, you have a college-age daughter, is that right? I do. I have a daughter at uh, at Grand Canyon University, and I have a and mm-hmm. uh, I have my my youngest daughter that's in sixth grade. Okay. Uh, actually, so, you know what? I also I also have a I also have an international student that lives with us, and she's from Beijing. Oh wow! Wow, how wonderful is how kind is that? So they all need to be part of this program. You know, they need to understand a lot of the same things that both you and Ruby have done together. So if you're out you know, having dinner somewhere, and I must presume that Ruby is by your side at all times out in public, that your family members also um, advocate for this relationship as well, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. especially for my little one, it was a little hard for her at first because, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful dog. She's a great dog, and, you know, she saw how friendly she was. She's very extremely friendly and a people person. With with everybody, I'm talking about Ruby, mm-hmm. and uh, and so it was kind of a little bit hard for for uh, for Gianna to uh, you know at first you know just get used mm-hmm. to the fact that okay no she's my dog she's my dog 
you know, first and foremost, you know, as as time progresses, yeah, you'll have a little bit more time, but she's primarily my dog. So I have, I take her everywhere. Mm-hmm. You can pet her, but, you know, when I leave the room, she comes with me. Right. And she has yeah. changed your family life because you mentioned a little earlier in the show that um, you and your wife are in business together. Would you... Would you like, I, I don't mind if you give your, your business a plug. How would people um, find your business, Gabriel? Oh, well, uh, well, I'm going to send you the link, and if you can post it, that'd be great. Um, I'd be, I'll be uh, happy you, to do that. Yeah, we just, we help out families. We help them to become properly protected, uh, you know, uh, financially free, and it's, they, we were able to help them to make and save money. So it's, uh, it's, it's a great, uh, yeah, it's a great company. Oh, that's that's wonderful. Yeah. So, all right. So you you train with her for four to five months, uh, once every other week, and now you come to the point where you now have passed what's called your public access certification test. So, what exactly yeah. does that mean? That means basically, um, it's a test that you take to see if uh how how well i know her and how well she knows me and how well we both react in the public eye so yeah we we both need to know the both of us need to know the commands and uh we just you know she needs to be well trained in the fact that okay now now we've had enough time together okay now it's your time to shine we go and we take this test so that once we pass this test it's basically saying okay she's really yours now you understand the concept you understand the the you know uh, the the rules and how things have to be done, how you have to handle her in public, and uh, and that's that was it was a little I, I was a little nervous you know and, and right before we took it, but um, Jeanette was mm-hmm. really really cool with me and she just said hey don't worry about it it's a it's a walk in the park you guys have done this a million times you just you it's just it's just like a regular ordinary day and just, you know we went to the mall said okay just walk around do this and this and that and before I knew it you know she's she's like hey. Uh, you passed. <laughs> so I was like, oh, great. Wow. It's just, yeah, it was a big relief. It was a big relief for me and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure for Ruby. <laughs> but it was, a, it was a big relief for both of us. It, it, was, it was cool. So does that mean then, in, in essence of passing that test, that she then became, is that when she became a permanent family member with you at that time? Is that what allows her to live with you full time? Yeah, well, she was already she was already living with us. It's just it's just oh, okay. you know it's just a, a certification just just to certify that you know that that the training that Jeanette and and Anna and Helen gave me was was all worth it. That everything was you know that they did their job to to train me so that you know I know the right commands to give her and to train her so she knows uh, the right commands to 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 do the right thing. I see. I'd like to bring um, Jeanette back into this to this conversation right now, um, and I do have another couple of questions for you as well, Gabriel. But um, Jeanette, I in going back to your program because you've been doing this a long time. What I'd like to know is how many dogs have graduated from your program. Do you have an idea? Yeah, we've had over three hundred dogs that have been through the program, um, and it's mm-hmm. again we don't. We don't really pay much attention to the age or the size or the gender or the color. I mean, we've had dogs as young as nine months and as old as 11 years old that we've taken mm-hmm. in. So the old adage, you can teach an old dog, you know, new tricks is absolutely <laughs> true. Uh, as long as they, you know, they have good temperament and they get along with other dogs and certainly are well socialized with people, that's the only criteria that we have for the dogs that are selected for the program. So we're we're very, very proud of that number and we're in the process of looking to expand up to LA um with their um institutions in that facility. It's you know, looking at the size of the organization initially, you know, it was myself with some cl- clerical support and now the fact that there's seven of us and certainly uh, Gabriel is almost like an honorary member of our team and because he and Ruby are so mm-hmm. vital to us and what they do and what they've accomplished, um, the ability to do more with more is certainly, you know, what we um, strive for as well as now we've achieved recognition, which I consider, you know, very val- valuable as far as the L.A. Times, uh, 
NBC News, I think, is the story that Gabriel may have seen. Um, yes. PBS did a documentary on us. So for me, when people ask, well, you know, what kind of history do you have, I can give those them those links, which basically validate who we are and what we have done, especially, and it gives them so many uh, wonderful stories about the dogs and the people who have adopted them. It's it's quite remarkable, and for those of you that are listening, um, there is absolutely a Facebook page for Cell Dogs, and there isn't any website, um, an organization that will turn down somebody liking and following them. So you're certainly welcome to go to the Cell Dogs site on Facebook and and be a part of that. And and you can also subscribe. Um, on your uh, website to get newsletters. You you will not turn down a donation, so you would certainly accept that. There's a lot of wonderful ways that the people that are listening, perhaps that don't live anywhere, they don't even live in California, but could be touched by what you're doing. Perhaps you'll inspire them. You know, that this has happened before, Jeanette, where I'll have a, a show that's maybe California-located, and somebody in another part of the country thinks, this is brilliant. I, I could, I would like to start an organization like this where I live, and they could certainly contact you. I'm sure to to just pick your brain and get some information and get some inspiration, much like what you did when um, Sister Pauline started. So that is the very beauty of the podcast of of the internet that we can share these really positive things because it is positive and it. And at time right now, I mean, honestly, what's just going on in California today with the massive fires that are happening and, you know, just so much that's going on, you, you almost sometimes don't want to put the news on because of, of the fear of that. And this is so positive that people that are listening could certainly um, consider that for them. And I... I think that what's what's another thing that's just so interesting about your organization is that for the for the most part your dogs are adopted. What I think is that eighty percent of the dogs that are that are trained by your programs go into adoption. Is that correct, your program trainers? Yes. Yes, eighty to eighty five percent of the dogs that we take into the programs are adopted as family by the general public as family pets. So mm-hmm. every dog that we have you know, is, I would say, placed. And I'll use the word placed, meaning right. that they're either sure. uh, adopted into loving homes or they are then um, promoted to advanced training where we determine whether or not they have the right stuff for a life of service. Um, you mm-hmm. know, you, you can have a dog that has all the drive in the world, but if they're not amiable in public, as similar to what uh, Gabriel has mentioned, you know, they have to be listen to their handler as well as, you know, be congenial to the public. You you don't want to put something out there that is just rigid and cold. And I'm sure it's an amazing bridge, Gabriel, for you in talking with people as you do so wonderfully. You know, Ruby just opens so many doors because people always go to the dog. And, you know, that's what changes lives, you know, of people like Gabriel and so many of our other clients that more often than not they're intimidated uh, of going into public or certainly people in, in wheelchairs are self-conscious that people don't acknowledge them or never even, you know, help open a door for them. But the, a dog right. will change all of that and just breaks down those barriers. You also have helped some um, children with autism as well, haven't you? I mean, it's not That's just um, veterans. So it, it, no. it's, it's far-reaching, these service animals, these service dogs, let me say that properly. So of the, of the 300 or therefore about dogs that have graduated, um, many of them have gone on to be service dogs. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, yeah we, that's, we've, had, that's, that's, um, we've had over 40 dogs that have been through the program that have been placed uh, in service, if you will, for mm-hmm. uh, individuals who are, uh, limited to physical limitations and are in wheelchairs, children with um, emotional disabilities, those that have cognitive challenges, and, you know, uh, adults with PTSD. Um, I would just like mm-hmm. to add, you know, as Gabriel said it beautifully, 
getting a service dog, I think it's a very romantic notion that people have that it's, oh, it's easy. I'm going to get this amazingly well-trained dog and, you know, it's push button ready and it's not going to take a lot of involvement on my part. Well, I think he blew that concept out of the water because, yes, the dogs are impeccably trained, but uh, pairing the the client and the dog as a partnership training, they become partners in life, you know, for, you know, working in public. And uh, both of them have to learn the waltz together and to be good dance partners so that they make it look seamless. But I can tell you, Gabriel and I spend weeks, you know, two times a week for hours at a time working in public and problem solving at the house. It probably was the better part of six or seven weeks before we did the certification test. Um, and we knew, I mean, I knew that each week I saw so much progress with both of them that they were ready to take the final exam, if you will, and, and would have passed with flying colors, which they did. But if people are interested in getting a service dog, it is, uh, it's a commitment, not just for the individual, but for the family, you know, emotionally, mm-hmm. time-wise, financially. Um, it's, it's a lot of work. I, I tell uh, Gabriel, I think I mentioned it to you is, you know, we are giving you the keys to a Ferrari, you know, meaning yeah. the service dog, but you yeah. and, you know, you don't have your driver's permit yet. So it's, exactly. it's our job to continue that training of being able to get you comfortable with this amazing, you know, working dog, you know, and loving creature so that the two of you are partners. And I, wouldn't that be a good uh, way to describe it? Because it's a lot of work. And especially if you have a child yeah. with a cognitive challenge, um, unfortunately, these dogs are not replacements for family or parental supervision. Uh, it is not, you know, to be used as a replacement or a babysitter because it's just unfortunate so many of these children have these challenges. But uh, it certainly will help bridge them for pub- you know, public work mm-hmm. or public um, outings. But it, it's not a replacement, and it, it, it's a lot, a lot of work. Yes. It is. Did you want to add um, to that, Gabriel? I, I'd like to hear. I, I would. I would like to add a little bit to that. Um, since I've had Ruby, I've I've kind of I've I've also had my share of discrimination with Ruby as far as you know going to certain places and oh no you know what we can't have dogs here, but I you know I I'm like okay wait a minute she's a service dog you can clearly see her vest I have a I have you know I have all of her shots and everything with me I always have them on with me and I have the doctor's note. And still, some people are, you know, they just, some people just don't understand. And if I can also mm-hmm. ask the public to just, especially, you know, business owners, uh, you know, be, be very, you know, mindful and just, you know, just please just understand that, some, you know, we, these, these service animals are well-trained. They're not just any, you know, dog from the street. No, these are very well-trained dogs. And, you know, they, they, they know what they're doing. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to come in and mess up your business. And, you know, this is something that this is, like you said, it's a partnership that I have with my dog. I don't, you know, I, I, can't, I can't not have her with me. So I, it's just, if, I would just like to add that, that, you know, the, the, the community needs to know that, hey, when you see dogs on the street, they're not just, I mean, now when you see a, a, a service dog on the street with their trainer, you know, don't just think that you can go and pet it, but at the same time, you know, don't, don't, don't be discriminatory either and say, oh, no, no, we don't want you in here for whatever reason. If, if I have her, it's because there's a, there's a specific reason for that. I, it, and I think that that's such an important aspect of sharing about what it is that your lifestyle is like. And it sounds like, well, if you had to say, okay, here's the very best thing about having Ruby as your working partner, and you could just name one thing. I don't know if you can. Um, what, what what would that be? The best thing about having Ruby as a working partner is just the fact that, I mean, it 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 brings people together. I mean, they say you know, love brings people together, music brings people together. A lot of things bring people together, but definitely a dog brings people together. And when I've taken her with me to certain appointments. Uh, you know, to go meet other families, and it, it's just, you, you'll be surprised how fast, you know, if, if, if there's, you, you know, you come into a home and you know that, you know, something's going on in here, they're, they're arguing or something, and then you have the dog, it's just, it just automatically lights up the room, the whole atmosphere changes, it's much happier, 
it's just it's just that I think that's the coolest part about having her is just mm-hmm. wherever I go, um, you know, if I'm at the mall, you know, and people do you know do what they're supposed to do and they and you know they ask to pet her, you know, automatically they're just they're, they're just so drawn to Ruby and Ruby is she just has this aura on her that it's like you know she can do no wrong, <laughs> you know she could chew mm-hmm. up my pillow and I'd be like no it's Ruby it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> no, she, she, she wouldn't do that. But you know, so no, funny. but she's, you, oh, you know what I mean. But it's, she's, she's just an amazing dog, and you know, she's so amazing that you know these these, I I I, some, I feel for for uh, for Anna and and for Helen and and Jeanette because when they give these dogs, when they have to actually give them to the person, finally, it's like you've had this dog for so long, they become part of you, and just see them yeah. go. I mean, it's great. You're you're proud of him. I could see her. I could see when you know when they when they let Ruby go, and she you know I, it was it was Anna that, that that brought her and she just I mean she just you could tell she had a broken heart, but she's like no you know yes. I, it's for you you know and it's just it's just so I'm what I'm a just, gift. I just have so much love for them, you know. Oh gosh. Yeah. You know it. I it, it's it's amazing. We've actually come to the end of the hour. Not that not that I'm on a clock that makes us. Um, has the arm come down and switches us off because that isn't the case. Um, I think that it would be really, really cool maybe six months from now to do a revisit and to hear where you are now because your life sounds like it has taken on such an improved, happy place. And Jeanette, I mean, I find myself like clutching my heart like I'm about to say the Pledge of Allegiance here. You must be just filled to the brim with such satisfaction of knowing that what you have done has so impacted his life, Gabriel's life. It is just, it's just sensational. I do hope that you're able to expand and that you are able to come up to this Los Angeles area as well. I um, had a show one time with a group of people that work with pit bulls and the fact that they are the most euthanized dog and trying to find them adoption and, and getting them ready to go into other homes. And, and, you know, people that have this love of animals, there's just something unique about you that's just so inspiring and loving. And I think it's why I love what I do and it's why I appreciate so much hearing your stories and sharing your stories with with my listeners. And I just want to thank both of you so, so much for for being my guest today, especially on Veterans Day. It's it's just been an honor. Now, you know what, uh, if I can say one last thing, you know, uh, the honor is is ours, you know, for everything that um, that Jeanette and Cell Dogs has done, uh, at least in my life. But I, I also want to give a, a shout out and a thanks to, you know, all of the responders this week with, you know, with all the fires happening in California, you know, these, these firefighters and everything that's happened in the last few days. I just, I, I just want to thank, you know, I, I, you know, as a veteran, you know, we want to thank everybody for their support, you know, with all the military. But we also want to give, you know, thanks to all of the responders, the police, firefighters, everybody that does, you know, an outstanding job every single day in order to protect this country. You bet. Well said. Did you want to have one final thing, Jeanette, that you wanted to say? Uh, I, I'm so grateful that you invited Gabriel and I to participate. And I think if, if your listeners go away with one thing, it's just um, kindness. You know, whether it's a human being or whether it's an animal or, you know, if, when people connect with each other, if we could do one kind thing each day that we would not have mm-hmm. done, you know, ordinarily – our days would be so much better when you see someone and they're not able to open a door or grab something from a shelf in a grocery store or a head of lettuce happens to fall off. You know, I think these days people are so busy ignoring the obvious that um, it's become a little bit too self-centered. But now if we kind of think of, you know, we become others centered, you know, oh my God, how much nicer our days would be as well as the people in our, you know, sphere of influence. So um, I love what we do. I am so proud of Gabriel and, and Ruby and, you know, he and his family are part of our family now as are our other clients, but it's just Mm -hmm. a blessing to have him to, 
to help us, you know, take this program, you know, to the next level. So, and thank you for the opportunity to, to share our story with your listeners. Yes, well, thank you very I'm, much. Well, I appreciate it as well. I look forward to Cell Dogs and Gabriel Part 2. Um, I wish everybody the very best on these difficult times with the fires in California, and I also want to wish everybody a very wonderful Thanksgiving, spending time with family, and I think your key word about kindness, if there's one thing I've learned, we can all be kind. Sometimes it's just a smile. Sometimes it's just acknowledging somebody or picking up that head of lettuce. So let's let's think about that as we go on with this wonderful week ahead of us. I'm going to play a little bit of music to take us out, and I look forward to all of you joining me next week when I have another sensational show with a woman by the name of Ellen Shane, and you'll read more about her on Facebook. Until next time, everybody, thank you so much, and have a wonderful week.